There is a divine design. It's written into the universe, into our bodies, into the natural world, and into the spiritual world. It's something that you can know, live, and it's something that can change who you are. And for the better, I would think. I mean, the divine design sounds like a pretty trustworthy brand, right? So it's got to do something good for us. Well, let's take a second to look at exactly what it does for us. Because once we start participating in the divine design, everything clicks into place. It completely upgrades our influx. Yeah, we'll get to what that means. Which allows God to arrange and direct our lives according to the pattern we were all meant to be in. Think of it like going from using a laptop as a doorstop to figuring out how to turn it on and access the endless possibilities of the web. Think about the upgraded potential in that scenario. Let's dive in now to what that kind of opening of possibility would look like in us. Hey everybody, welcome to Swedenborg in Life. Today we're going to be talking about how awakening to God's design changes your spirit. This is a show about results. I'm not going to buy your diet plan unless on the box it tells me what I can see in six to eight weeks. And so what we are going to give you here is these are the results you will see in your spirit. This is how your consciousness, your soul will change, the structure of it will change if you follow the divine design. Where Where else are you getting that? Okay, this is what we did last time. We set up how to follow the divine design. We gave you two handy steps. Acknowledge God and do something. If you want to unpack those and learn how to use them, check out that episode. And in this episode, we are going to tell you why that's important and what it does to us and how something that seems abstract and fluffy, like the shape of our spirit, is actually more structured and more real than even what we've got going on in the body and how stuff we do with the mind, the choices we make, can actually have a very tangible effect on the thing that composes our eternal consciousness. Come on, man, that's not so bad. So the divine design, we have to align ourselves with it. That's what that show taught us how to do. And the divine design, if you had to break it down, it is the plan and the will of love. This is how love, which is the essence of the divine in the first place, and love for the happiness of the whole human race, like you'll be seeing in a minute, that has a structure by which it tries to bring everyone to its goal, which is happiness. And it's not, an, it's not a concept, it's actually spiritually a force. It's actual substance that is radiating out. Am I losing you? Go watch the rest of this series. And it'll come, okay, are you back now? Have you watched the whole series? It is radiating out and it is affecting things and it can be affecting us more and more, and that as we open up in our motives and our actions and intentions to it, it literally changes the shape and the arrangement of the inward parts of our spirit. And this is courtesy of our good friend, Influx. So when we are in the divine design, we really, the state that brings that about is that we've opened to the influx from God. Influx is a term that you will find in certain translations of Swedenborg, some older ones, where he's saying that we are constantly being bombarded by stuff. And this is good stuff coming out of God. It's bad stuff coming out of what he calls hell. And the more that we choose what's good, the more we actually rearrange our little receptors to let that in. He talks here, the Lord exerts a direct influence 
So there's a direct inflow. This would be in another translation. Probably that word influx is right there. And also an indirect influence through heaven. So there are two ways right now, as you sit and watch this video, God is interacting with the inner stuff of your spirit. What flows in from the Lord, yeah, what's God sending us is a goodness born of heavenly love and therefore of love to one's neighbor. So the, the good impulses, the real noble stuff that comes through us, this is God beaming right into us. In this love, the Lord is present because he loves the whole human race and wants to save every member of it forever. <laughs> this is a total superlative of how nice can you be, right? This, the intent, the reason why human beings hold up this sort of selfless love as an ideal is because you look, you, you peer into it with a microscope and it just gets more and more clean and good. We just want everybody to be as happy as they can be for as long as they can be. Since the goodness born of this love comes from him, he is in such goodness. So he is present in a person who possesses it. That it's not just even that we're doing nice things, which is good in our own way, but we are giving the Lord a dwelling place, the divine, a home in us. So we really get to be this sort of uh, partnership or fusion of us and God in the way that this divine love wants to do. However, you don't have to, by the way. Everything is opt-in. And if we opt out, here's your option, just so you can have your options and weigh them. When we put ourselves in a state in which we accept the influence of hell, you got to choose. I mean, you got two options, but they're, they both got their perks because when you're in hell, then you get a life of self-love, meaning love of your sense of self over other people and a love of, for worldly advantages feels pleasant. You get the perks of ego that when you win, it feels good. And when you steal, it feels good and everything else that goes with that. While a life of neighborly love feels unpleasant unless we can profit by it. I don't care. You save the orphanage. Those orphans don't do anything for me. I don't mind. So we have this sort of grand choice here. And the reason why we have this little angel and devil on our shoulder is that there is this influx constantly presenting itself this morning. You know, throughout the day, today, you, you know, you're, you're sitting there and you get this, hey, what if you thought this way and felt this thing? Or what if you thought this way and felt this thing? What if you approach this situation from these two different angles? That's the competing influx from heaven, from hell, and, and all the shades of gray in between. So if we follow those two steps, acknowledge God and do our part to accept and act on that love, we are not just It's not just going to show up in the way we think. The way we think is based on the arrangement of our spirit. In this show, we're going to talk about how if you could could see consistently the way your spirit was organized, get your spiritual microscope out, you would actually see the, the smallest structures in it, something equivalent to the way our neurons are organized here and everything. Those actually change, and they change in a way that they tune in directly to being more receptive of the Lord's love, which is the thing that not only cares for everyone else, but cares for us. This is a total upgrade in the way we are oriented. And so we will be looking at how those changes occur in us, what your spiritual results are from living in this design. So first, let's make sure we can really wrap our head around this concept of influx, because it was totally key to Swedenborg's understanding of how this whole system works. A breakthrough fundamental insight that Swedenborg had was into the nature of our thoughts and feelings. It seems to us, it seemed to Swedenborg, that when we're having thoughts and feelings, that's just happening in our own headspace, inside our own private world. 
But he realized, no, that's coming from somewhere else. And he used a particular Latin word to describe it. Influere is the verb, or influxus is the noun. It's an inflow. It's made of two Latin parts, one about the flowing, the fluere, and one about in. There are related Latin words, afflux, which would be flowing towards, efflux, flowing away, and other things like this. Inflow is interesting because it's flowing right into us, that some thought or feeling is coming right into our private space from some other part of the spiritual world. It might be good, it might be bad, but in either case, it's not coming from inside the house, it's coming from somewhere else. And it's reasonable to say, mm, that sounds freaky. Hell is streaming into our consciousness somehow. But it's, it's not actually that out of the ordinary. If we just step back and remember what it's like to own a human mind and have to go through the states that we go through in it. In fact, we have a show here on this channel called News from Heaven, where we dig in to all these concepts about consciousness and everything else Swedenborg discovered. And in there, we constantly return to this image or an image like it, which is this mental headweather that you know what it's like when you're in a state where everything seems negative. It seems like there is just dark clouds over everything. So all of the interpretations of things that we get, all of the score that we're keeping us against somebody else and how it is our reactions to things, the narratives we're weaving about life, it all seems to have in common one key element, which is that it works against us and it's making us miserable. This is what it's like when hell is taking over the influx into the mind. That, that is the chaos it creates. And Swedenborg describes really well, sort of not just uh, w what it does, but the source of all that negativity. Secrets of Heaven 1047. Human self-will, and by self-will, think of the negative connotation of when we're driven by this self-centered hellishness, is such that it pours a continuous stream of darkness or falsity into our intellectual side, which is the clouding over, which I love how you say that. What's, why does it just seem like everything is working against me here? That is where all falsity comes from. The fact of the matter is fairly evident from this. All selfishness and materialism, which are matters of human will, are simply forms of hatred. Because the more we love ourselves, the more we hate our neighbor. And a good way to think of that is the more that we believe ourselves to be uh, better than other human beings, the more we believe, think of in loving ourselves, the more that we believe we're in some special category and other people really are just subject or subservient to what we are, the more we hate our neighbor. The more that, ah, here's a burning building. Do I get myself out or do I get you out? Since love for ourselves and love of worldly gain are therefore opposed to heavenly love, they necessarily pour out a constant stream of impulses that go against mutual love. Okay, fine. The burning building example is not that good because it's just, okay, you're going to save yourself. Sure, but go against mutual love to, to say instead that here you are living your life and here I am living mine and the, everything I want should overrule what you want and everything that I need should overrule what you need and that you should never go against what I want. That is this, the opposite of mutual love because mutual love has in it this desire to understand and selflessly work for the good of someone else. These impulses, as they exist on the intellectual side, 
are all falsities. So when we're driven by this callous disregard for the love, for, for the life of other people, that spawns these confusing self-destructive and other destructive thoughts that cloud up the mind. From them comes all our darkness and shadow. And that to me is very profound because when you're in a depressive state or a hellish state or whatever it is, it just seems like, wow, why is there so much problem here? Why is there so much suffering here? Well, it seems like this hodgepodge of causes. It seems like, well, part of the reason things aren't going well is because of how person A, B, and C are acting. Another part is because of how life events went. Another part is just the state of reality. Another part is things I did wrong. Oh, look at all these diverse sources that you could never correct for why things aren't working out well. Here it's saying all the darkness, all the shadow, all the suffering and pain in our mental landscape is actually from falsities. It's just us not understanding what the truth really is. That hell is simply separating us from the truth. And because the divine design and the Lord with love through that is what actually organizes reality, when we understand things as they really are, then we're free of this hell, of this bad head weather. So that's hell's input and what it does. And there's God's input, which is to try to, f- the truth will set you free to try to get us to see, look, if you, if you understand things as they really are, everything is okay, right? But there's also sort of this in-between layer, which Swedenborg talks about as being the influence of spirits. So let's sort out a little bit, what's, what's the deal with God's influx and spirit's influx and how they relate? The Lord flows into us in two primary ways. We get a direct inflow from the Lord into the core of who we are, and then we also receive inflow through the spirits around us. The original intention in creation was for us to be led directly by God's love, but humanity turned away from the core presence of God and fell out of the pattern of the divine design. When we're not in the pattern of heaven, that direct connection with God is blocked, so instead we're led by the Lord indirectly through the spirits we're connected with. This is from Heaven and Hell 296. The reason we are controlled by the Lord through spirits is that we are not in the pattern of heaven. We are in fact born into evils that are from hell and are therefore exactly opposite to the divine pattern. This means that we need to be brought back into the pattern and we cannot be brought back except through the agency of spirits. It would be different if we were born into the good that accords with heaven's pattern then we would not be controlled by the Lord through the agency of spirits, but through the pattern itself, and therefore through a general inflow. This general inflow determines the way things move from thought and intent into act. Animals do exist in the proper order of their lives, and so they can be guided directly by the pattern of the divine design. That's why they have these amazing instincts. If we humans could get back into the pattern of heaven, living in mutual love, we also could receive an inner guidance straight from God. That's how things were designed to be, for each of us to be led by God's love alone rather than a network of lower spirits. That inflow of God's love could then clearly guide us to usefulness and happiness as part of the grand human of heaven. When we make the effort to live by the divine design, then our spirit gradually shifts from the indirect spirit inflow being dominant to having the direct inflow and guidance of the Lord be dominant. This is from Secrets of Heaven 8513. The divine plan is for the Lord to influence our outer levels through our inner levels and consequently our actions through our will. 
This is indeed what happens when we dwell in goodness. That is, when we enjoy doing good for its own sake rather than for our sake. When we do good for our sake, not for its own sake, our inner reaches close off, and the Lord, working through heaven, cannot lead us. Instead, we lead ourselves. Love determines how we are led, because what we love leads every one of us. If we love ourselves more than our neighbor, we are led by ourselves. But if we love what is good, we are led by goodness and so by the Lord, the source of everything good. The key to having this shift happen is to root ourselves in love, in loving others and connecting to love in our life. So there's this big shift in what motivates us and how we feel when we're doing things, but what does that look like inside the structure of our spirits? What changes in us when we align with this divine design? Well, you get arranged into heaven's form inside you. That form takes a hold. There's a ton of little shifts that happen to make that happen. If you think about how does something change biologically, there's so many little steps. You remember in biology class, like, wait, which comes first, mitosis or meiosis? There's all these little pieces arranging themselves and then cell division, and it's complex, but we can look at what happens inside of ourselves and see that there's, while there are all these little shifts, there is an overall shift. There is an overall transfer of state A to state B, and Swedenborg describes these states like this. The more we follow the lead, and this is a little bit counterintuitive initially, the more we follow the lead of truth, the dimmer goodness grows. The more we follow the lead of goodness, the more openly truth shines in its own light. And Swedenborg gets this way sometimes when he's treating of truth. When we hear the word truth, we think of something that is immutable and is, is accurate and permanent. So how could truth ever not be leading us in the right direction? But I think what he's getting at here is if you are taking parts of the truth with a capital T, the full state of reality, and using them out of context, or more specifically, using them without the unifying and guiding factor of love behind them, it's very easy to get spun off into misconceptions. Isn't anything like propaganda or what we consider to be deceptive messaging, taking some little bit of truth, but then twisting it so it's, it's, out, it's not really portraying the picture of life as it really is, it's portraying some distorted picture that makes it so that you can get person to do A, B, or C. But when you're coming from this love, the love, the desire, as we saw before, to help the whole human race and to to lead us into the pattern that we're meant to be, when that motivation is what's driving everything that we do, that actually brings the truth into alignment. That actually snaps everything in and makes all these ideas or concepts or facts about the way reality is laid out serve the purpose they're meant to serve and be cohesive in the way they need to be cohesive to achieve the results that divine design is trying to get us to participate in. So it's really whether or not this love is at the center that defines what, you know, how we're progressing in the divine design. So let's look more closely at what this shift looks like in us when we go from a potentially distorted um, sort of impulse based on some fragmented knowledge to when the true love, divine love, is driving us. When we think of our minds and what's in it, we might think it's just a jumble of thoughts and feelings all swirling around in there. But Swedenborg writes how there's actually a design and structure to it, and that the arrangement of our minds goes through an actual shift 
when we grow spiritually. Here's how he describes it in Secrets of Heaven. Facts are said to be inverted or out of line when people exploit the heavenly plan or the divine design in order to do evil. The heavenly plan is to do good to everyone. When people turn this system on its head, they eventually come to deny what is divine, what belongs to heaven, and consequently what belongs to neighborly love and faith. People who develop such a character know how to use facts to reason sharply and skillfully because they reason from sensory evidence. To reason from sensory evidence is to reason from shallow factors or from bodily and worldly considerations, which monopolize one's senses and instincts. Unless light from heaven shines on those factors and realigns them in a completely different pattern, we are left in the dark on heavenly matters. The darkness is so deep that not only do we fail utterly to grasp heavenly ideas, we entirely deny and eventually reject them. Then, so far as we are free to do so, we blaspheme them. When facts are in line, they are arranged by the Lord in the form of heaven. But when they are out of line, they are arranged in the form of hell. The grossest falsities then lie in the middle and supporting falsities flank it. But truth lies beyond the perimeter. Because it does, it cannot make contact with heaven where truth reigns supreme. The inner levels of people like this are therefore shut off since our inner levels make heaven accessible to us. So Swedenborg is talking about facts and ideas, but with these real structural terms, and that's intentional. So you can think of our mind as having three concentric circles with what's most important to us on the inside. Before we have the pattern of heaven restored in us, our first state is like this. We all have heavenly love in the deepest part of our being, but it can be covered over. So falsity is in the center, supporting ideas of that falsity in the next ring, and then truth is on the outermost ring. When this is the pattern, then the truth which wants to connect with heavenly love can't. So when we begin to live in alignment with the divine design in our lives by acknowledging God and striving to live from love, then we allow for a switch to happen. Us doing our part allows the Lord to strip away the false ideas and perspectives that are literally covering over our connection to love. So then we have heavenly love at the center of our being, truth in the next ring serving it, and then confirmations from our life with false ideas and evil all the way on the outside. It's the love that is at the center that arranges everything else around it, placing truth in its proper order. When we go through this process, we are accepting heaven into ourselves. That core of our being is actually a channel to heaven and the Lord. Swedenborg writes, everything that happens in harmony with the divine plan lies open inside all the way up to the Lord, so it contains heaven. Everything that does not happen in harmony with the divine plan is closed off inside, so it does not contain heaven. So in the first state, we are closed to the Lord, but then we can be open to the Lord in the second state and have heavenly love be an active agent in our lives. So here we're really starting to get a sense of the magic that's happening inside of us as this divine design begins to organize everything. It's just like if, it, if we're getting healthy, yeah, we notice we can run a little longer, but if you look down into the little structure of the lungs, air sacs, and the way that the circulation and our blood pressure, there's just all this amazing magic happening that's allowing the whole to function more smoothly. And so according to Swedenborg, on the spiritual level, our nature 
from creation enables us to be more and more closely joined to the Lord forever. So you can keep getting spiritually healthier and healthier and that the benefits cascading down from that are these better and better thoughts, these better and better motivations. It's just as awesome to think about this major like spring cleaning of our internal life happening. So he described that we have these three distinct levels in our spirit that lines up with those rings as Chelsea was describing in her segment. And these, the levels are always there, latent in you. These are each there waiting to be opened from birth. But our alignment with the divine design is what allows these to be opened. And the more that these levels are opened, the more we can be in the Lord. And the Lord can then be in us in a real cycle that makes a difference. So it, and it's important to understand that these levels exist in us, knowing the basics of how the mind is. And it matters for a couple of reasons. One is that it gives us some perspective on our conscious experience to understand when we do get flooded, when we are in the dark clouds of the mind, to know this is just one level. That Actually, there are places in us that are, as we referenced in a previous episode, these are up above the turmoil, that there is a place where the Lord is there and the divine design already exists in us. And you can kind of hold on to that a little bit. It's just like when you're, the other day I was up looking at the moon and thinking about, wow, so it's night right now, but the sun is there and it's shining. And this is this little reminder. There always is that place in you that has it. And it's also worth noting that there's going to be certain areas in the mind that you're never going to be able to calm completely, but just more realize, okay, I'm going to cycle into these other states of being, these other parts of the mind. So just starting to picture the mind as having these distinct parts and knowing that the good flows into a certain part of it and watch for when that appears in the other levels we're more conscious of. All this settling into the mind can help equip us to navigate the thing that we're in. Swedenborg talks about it in Divine Providence. All of us have these three distinct or vertical levels within us by creation and therefore from birth. We become involved in the first level. Yeah, so let's tease these out a bit. The one called earthly when we're born. And we can gradually expand this level within us until we become rational. So where is, what is the goal of that level? Where does it stop? It's getting a rational working mind that can understand concepts. We become involved in the second level, the one called spiritual, if we live by the spiritual laws of the divine design, laws that are divine as to their truth. So if we take that rational level, which can be bent either way, you can rationalize bad behavior or you can rationalize spiritual, spiritually motivated, loving behavior. And we can also become involved in the third level, the one called heavenly, if we live by the heavenly laws of the divine design, laws that are divine as to their goodness. And this is that shift from no longer, I know this is the right thing, so I'll do it even though I don't really want to, to eventually the heavenly level is we are seized by the passion to do what's right, that we understand how valuable every person is. We understand how good and noble what is good is versus what is negative and and self-serving or contracting instead. And you really get revved up to say, okay, I'm, I want to go and do what's good. And as we get further into that, it's just an amazing feeling to me to be able to picture the good that that's doing inside, again, inside our spirit, inside our little, our little miniature world. As we seek to go and improve life for the human race, that life is being improved in us as well. So we're going to hear now Swedenborg's description of just what it's like as the Lord continues to be allowed in and organize us in these amazing ways to let heaven in, to let spiritual mental health in more and more. It's like the actual human form we're meant to be in really gets to take hold and take root. So 
just like let it in for a second. Think about the possibility of how well the system can function when we really have love at our spiritual heart like it's meant to be. Facts on the earthly plane are arranged in endless series. All the series connect seamlessly, one after the other, depending on the relationships they share and their nearness to each other. The situation is not too different from that of families and their succeeding generations. One element gives birth to another, and soon their numbers are increasing. However, the way fact-type truth is organized on the earthly level varies with every individual, because it has a pattern imposed on it by whatever we love most. This dominant love stands at the center and arranges everything else around it, placing next to itself what conforms best with it, and the rest in order of compatibility. That is how facts come to take the pattern they do. If a heavenly love is dominant, the Lord arranges everything on the earthly level in a heavenly pattern, which is the type of pattern heaven takes, and is therefore the pattern of love and goodness itself. Truth is arranged in the same pattern, and when it has been arranged that way, it acts in unison with goodness. From then on, when the Lord stimulates the one, he stimulates the other. When he stirs up our conceptions of faith, he stirs our feelings of neighborly love and vice versa. So the point of all this is that we're getting the pattern of love and goodness written in to who we are, that that is becoming embedded in our spiritual DNA. And also the complexity of the work that the Lord is doing inside of each of us all the time. I don't know about you, but if I go in, let's say I go to the hospital and I need something fixed that's going to make me healthy, I just want to know you guys get in there and, and know exactly what you're doing and be able to do it. And I don't even need to fill me in on all the details. Just go. If somebody says, look, here's the problem with your water heater and we're going to need to tweak this and do that. Yeah, go in there, know what you're doing and do it. So the idea of we are giving the Lord permission to access the basement and start to fiddle with that water heater. What an inspiring example that is. You know what I'm talking about. To me, this is endlessly exciting that we can get more and more upgraded and let this pattern organize what we are. Because previously, what was organizing it was just this jumble of chaotic false things out of the ego, out of hell, which is not arranging us for anything other than these mismatched purposes that don't lead us anywhere. But God is arranging stuff so that we will be happy forever and be able to make people happy forever. This is, this is an absolute lifestyle upgrade. And I want to leave us here with three more thoughts about just what this does for us. The first is from Divine Providence 32. The Lord opens these levels within us depending on the way we live. The way we live isn't going in and tweaking that, but it's allowing the Lord access. This is really happening in this world. It's like right now, this is not something that happens in the afterlife. It happens now, but not so that we can sense or feel it until after we leave this world. So it's a little bit of, you know, you, you sock away money into your retirement account and you know it's building up, but you don't it's not like it's sitting there in your bank account, but no, it is growing. As the levels are then open and perfected, we are more and more closely united to the Lord. This union can intensify to eternity as we grow closer. 
For angels, it actually does keep intensifying to eternity. So no matter what, your best days are ahead of you. Going forward, doesn't matter how great things get, there's always room to improve. With the body, there's a, God, there's a limit to how healthy you could be. Right. Okay, we're free of all the viruses, we're free of all the heavy metals, everything is in alignment, but there you can keep getting healthier and healthier and happier and happier forever. That's what, that's what heaven is. That's what the, why the divine design is cool in the first place, because it's just trying to hook people up with never-ending expansion of joy and meaningful joy at the same time. Okay, next thought. People who rely on the Lord are constantly receiving good from Him, because whatever happens to them whether it looks favorable or unfavorable, is still good because it contributes as a means to their eternal happiness. The divine design can work with any conditions in life to bring us a greater and greater integrity in our internal state, which leads to this increase in happiness. So once we stop fighting the Lord, or once we stop having multiple people, meaning the Lord in one space, our passions here, hell here, sort of sideways spiritual influence here. Once we allow the Lord to steer where everything is going, we become invincible because no matter what happens in life, God is using that sort of, uh, what's, is it, it's not jujitsu, it's like, uh, what's that, tai chi, where you take the movements. Do I know anything about this? No, I don't. You take the movements of someone's trying to punch you and what actually tur- turns that energy back out and around. That is what God is able to do with life. Whatever's happening is going to end up making you happier, going to end up, whatever happens externally, this is a good way to say it, whatever happens externally, it's going to contribute to this establishment of the divine pattern within you that is going to pay out dividends forever. Okay, one more thought. A person with a loving goodness grounded in religious truth presents an image of heaven and is heaven on the smallest scale. Not just you can be in heaven, you are heaven. So the pattern of heaven is also found in such an individual. All communities in the heavens are organized in accord with the heavenly pattern. Because this pattern determines how all positive emotions and therefore all true thoughts exert their influence. All facts, too, are arranged into the heavenly pattern, provided the person they belong to is motivated by heavenly love, and love is what arranges them. When we think about what would be the paradise state for the human race, what, when would life be this amazing thing to live in, we think of everybody working together for the common good, that you can trust everyone, you can know everybody with all their different skill sets and different kind of minds are pooling everything to create the kind of world you want your kids to to grow up in, right? We are that in miniature. So when you get the Lord directing things, because the Lord directs in heaven, that's what heaven is, every little piece of knowledge that you have, every little feeling that you have, every experience you have, it's all pulling towards the common good. Everything there is then a tool in the hands of the Master to bring about this great work of art, which is our consciousness, once we're following this divine design. So that's why we're doing this whole series. This is all about getting us to know how to opt in to this process that wants to bring us the greatest thing that can be brought, which is this, this heaven and this happiness. But that's what we did this whole series. You think about way back when we started, we were talking about the divine design, how it exists in the spiritual world and in heaven, how God is this radiating love and wisdom that seeks to organize everything, and that the divine design is is intimately tied in, is the means by which God accomplishes the purpose, which is that happiness. We looked at how that spills into this physical world, how everything here is also designed and arranged so that it can participate in this pattern. We looked at how even our bodies 
are an index or a map or an instance of this divine design and how that can, that can be a, way, a source of learning for us. We can look at the way our bodies work and learn about how we're supposed to behave and be motivated. We looked at these two steps that will allow us to participate and, and be in the state that opens the door for God in the way that we're talking about. And now here, we're looking at the change that that brings about, and just sort of the last, the caboose of meaning that lets us know this is why this is worth putting our effort towards. In fact, it's like almost the only thing worth putting our effort towards because every other goal that you have in life, everything you want to do, every problem you want to have solved, the divine design is the answer to that. The divine, the God wants to solve these things just with us. And the more that we let the best plan that exists in there and tinker and get to direct resources, the more we're going to see everything be brought to a great ending. And that's the state we're all hoping for. And that's the point of life. That's why this whole thing was started in the first place, was to get us into that state. So hopefully this series, we've given you a few tools to to continue that journey or start that journey or inspire you to pick it back up. And it has been a pleasure getting to walk through that with you. And uh, we'll see you again soon and happy travels. We want the ideas and insights we cover to be available for free to anyone, anytime they need them. As a nonprofit, We depend on donor support to continue to create high-quality programming. This season, we're featuring the opportunity to support our newly established endowment fund for Off the Left Eye. Consider your ability to be a part of our growing family by going to otle.causevox.com today to make a one-time or recurring donation. Your support helps the ideas in our content reach and nourish thousands of people every day around the globe. We couldn't do it without you. Give if you can, receive if you need. If we cycle through in this way, in the end, everybody wins. Hey, Off the Left Eye community. We're very excited to announce that we're starting a brand new podcast called Inside Off the Left Eye. Every Sunday, starting July 19th, you'll get to come Inside Off the Left Eye with me, Chelsea Odner, to hear exclusive interviews with Curtis Childs and the Reverend Dr. Jonathan Rose as we explore fascinating ideas in Swedenborg's writings and delve into their historical context. Inside Off the Left Eye is your place to get sneak previews and extras of all the content Off the Left Eye produces, as well as to learn all the ways that you can be involved so you don't miss a thing. Subscribe now to Inside Off the Left Eye wherever you listen to podcasts.